0: Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. Once again, we're going to be continuing our study in Hebrews chapter 11. I know it seems like we've been in Hebrews chapter 11 for a long time, but we're, I don't know, right around halfway done, something like that. We've got a little ways yet to go in Hebrews chapter 11. And I hope that through this study that your faith has grown and that your your you're, you're idea of faith and how it impacts your entire life has really changed, and that it's really grown you as you've laid hold of the promises of God, and as the promises of God has laid hold of you. But today, we're going to continue our scripture reading, and we're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 4, and then we'll get into Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16, and I am really excited about what we're going to talk about with faith today because, well, it's just it's just really exciting. Uh, we're going to see the reign of faith. We're also going to see how faith affects our distant vision, and we're going to see some of the results of faith. Uh, once again, what God has to say um, if we're living our life in faith. But before we do that, let's get to Philippians chapter 4, and it says this, Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Eodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And the things which you learned and received and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Now, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. All right, we're going to be looking today at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. And remember, we've been talking about the life of Abraham and the faith that he had, and of course, the faith then that Sarah had as well. That's what we looked at yesterday. And today we're continuing with this idea because he, Abraham, became the father of, of many uh, or at least his descendants became many, as they were as innumerable as the stars and as the sands of the sea. And we see that his descendants followed in his faith, not necessarily exclusively, of course, but we we do see that many of them did. And this is what this passage is going to be talking about, and that's Hebrews chapter eleven, verses thirteen through sixteen. These Abraham's descendants that walked in faith. All died in faith, not having received the promises. The first thing that I want you to see this morning is the reign of faith, the reign of faith. You see, they died in faith, and faith is the same faith that we've been looking at, this faith that is a winning over faith, of course, one that wins you over and then also goes and wins others over, and it is a title or a deed, and then that real faith that is a title or a deed that looks at God's promises, and though it might not have those promises in their hands, it believes them as though they are and it causes evidences in the person's life. That's the faith we're talking about here. But the word in, it's a little bit different here. See, often in is the Greek word en, which uh, is translated dwelling in or resting in. But this word has a root of down from, and it means according to. I know this is getting kind of deep into the preposition here, but it's really important to understand what it's talking about. See, it's speaking to. excuse me, it speaks to faith as an authority in their life. It's as though faith was being uh, conveyed and it was going down into their life. It was from a position of prominence uh, or a higher position, and it moved downwards from an authoritative down position into the rest of their life. Faith has a high position in their life, And their life, the rest of their life, was down from their faith. Their life was according to faith. The faith that they had in God had an authority that they obeyed God in their life. The promises that God gave were enough. They were as though it was an authoritative command in their life. That's how they treated the faith, that's how they believed God's promises. But the question comes then. What reigns in your life? Does the word of God reign in your life? So, we often like to say that the Bible is an authority in our life. We often like to say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it, and I'm going to obey it. But do we really mean what we say? Do you really mean it when you say that? And if you do, then your actions will agree with your mouth. Take a look in the mirror and see is your life lining up with what you're saying? Our actions, your actions, prove what part of your doctrinal statement you actually believe. See, we often lay hold of the promises or word of God. Simply put, we we just understand them. But the question is, is do the promises lay hold of you? Do you resign to them? Do you go and say, I will live my life in the reality of, the, of God's promises as though they are an authority in my life? Because a, a lot of God's promises are not unconditional. Some of God's promises are unconditional in Scripture. We, we do see that at times. The, the, like God promises that he will never change. It doesn't matter what you do. God will never change. His character will never change. That, that is an unconditional promise that God is not going to move from his positions. He's in, I mean, he's not going to go and say, well, I agree with you now because you changed your mind. No, he's going to stay in the position that he is. It's unconditional. It doesn't matter what you do. God's not going to change. That's a promise that we can look to. But there are some promises and many promises in Scripture that are conditional. That God says, if you do this, if you live your life in this way, if you go and you do this, I will then go and do this. And often, of course, if it's obedience, it was a blessing. If it's disobedience, it's, it's uh, curses or destruction that will come into your life. And God promises those kind of things. And so the question is, is it's not just do you understand the promises of God, but have those promises laid hold of you? Have they really changed your life? The second thing that I want you to see here this morning is that faith affects the distance of our vision. See, it says that these descendants of Abraham, they saw the city afar off. And they saw it afar off. It was seen afar off. Now, the Old Testament saints, especially the 500 years between Jacob and the time that Israel started possessing the land of Canaan. So while they were, you know, under uh, the, the tyranny of Egypt and while they were uh, going and wandering through the wilderness, that's that's 500 years. And they didn't receive that the promises before they died. Remember, they did die But yet, remember, they lived according to faith. They had a long-distance vision. This isn't to say that God's promises always take 500 years to accomplish, but rather it is a principle that allows us to have patience in our faith while having our urgency met. We go and we see God's promises afar off, and we dwell in those promises, even if our physical body is not currently in that promise. We know that God's promises always come through. You see, they understood that the promises that they received was only as good as the one that promised it to them, and of course, the one that promised it to them, well, He is good. He is faithful. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. He he is just. He is kind. He is merciful. He is all of these things, and I'm sure I'm missing a lot of God's attributes in that. See, they had their vision set on what was in the end, but not what was in the moment. They were heavenly-minded. They had their eyes set, on Jesus. Real faith sets its eyes on Jesus, and it's a long-distance vision. That doesn't mean God can't come through in the short term. It doesn't mean that God doesn't come through in the short term, but it means that you are saying, I am setting my eyes on the promises of God, no matter how far off they are in the future, and I am going to live inside of those promises. Their long-distance vision was incredibly impactful, incredibly impactful. In fact, it says this, having seen them afar off, they were assured of them. They embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This idea of being assured of them, it means that they were convinced and persuaded because their eyes were were cast, were set on that long-distance vision, they were persuaded that these promises were true. What would have happened if they would have taken their eyes off of those promises? What would have happened if they would have put their eyes on their circumstances? Well, they might not have been persuaded. They might not have been convinced. See remember, faith has real evidences their assurance of these promises or that conviction of the promises impacted their actions see faith may wait patiently for god but faith never sits idle they didn't say i will obey god when he fulfills his end of the deal rather they said i am assured that god will fulfill his end of the deal therefore i will live him for him in the here and the now and that's the attitude that we must have a faith that waits patiently, but doesn't sit idle. It actively walks in obedience because it knows that God is going to come through on his side of the deal. Their long-term distance or their long-term vision, excuse me, their long-distance vision, that's what I'm going for. it, It allowed them to greet these promises. They embraced these promises is what it says. And it actually means to greet or to salute. Kenneth Woost puts it this way: having seen them afar off, they greeted them as seamen wave their greeting to a country, seeing a far, far, seeing far off on the horizon on which they cannot land. Can you imagine this? A sailor who looks out and, and they see a, a um, a a country there or land afar off, and and they desperately start waving to them and, and greeting them. That's how they treated this promise. See, God's promises may seem distant, but we are to eagerly wave for them, to greet them in our life. The last thing that I want us to see here this morning is the result, and there's a lot that we could look at actually in this passage, but I really want to get to the result because it says this in verse 16, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The result of faith is that God is not ashamed to be called their god the word of god excuse me the word called here is the simple word for called but there is a preposition that is added to the word and it means upon and the idea here is to add a name to the one that which one already has so it's an addition to a name kenneth woost once again to quote him once again puts it this way god was not ashamed to be surnamed their God. Because of the faith that they had, God didn't mind when others looked in at their life and said, wow, Jehovah is their God. God didn't mind being associated with them. What about your life? Does God mind being associated with you? That's a convicting question. Does God look out and when people say, oh yeah, they claim that God is their God and does he go, oh no, they're claiming me? If you're living your life in faith, God will go and say, yeah, that's right. I am their God. Uh Uh-huh. He doesn't mind. He's glad to be called your God if you're living your life with true biblical faith, if you have that long-distance vision, if you wait patiently but don't sit idle, if you set your eyes on the promises of God and you allow those promises to lay hold of you, God will say, yeah, that's right. I'm their God. Well, thank you for listening today, and remember Joshua 1, 8, and 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. hold the There's nothing we can't overcome. So that